Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Tony Richards here, your executive coach and business coach, and I want to welcome you to today's program. Hope your day is going great, and today's program is brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. I'll be right back on Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. I'm excited to welcome Sean Campbell. He's the founder and CEO of Cascade Insights. Sean's been training, mentoring, and educating all his life. An exceptionally well-regarded conference speaker and author, Sean has delivered talks for Fortune 50 companies and top-tier conferences. He's also been the author of several books on technical as well as business topics. Sean's also been a professional services firm owner for over 20 years. His professional services work has spanned consulting engagements with Fortune 50 and startups you've heard of, and the sale of his first professional services company and growth of delivery sales, marketing, and operational practices inside professional services firms. In short, Sean brings a wealth of knowledge when it comes to surviving and thriving as a service firm owner or the leader of a practice area inside a larger services firm. The labor market is a challenge for people right now, and 
I know you talk about apprenticeship is better than onboarding or traditional training or apprenticeship is better in the onboarding process than traditional training. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that. It's interesting that we've even gotten to where we're at with this, because if you look at the history, right, and I'll keep this super brief. In the olden days, right, we knew what apprenticeship was. You learned how to make horseshoes from the Smith and you worked with them for a number of years. And, and there were things about that system that weren't good, right? I mean, you know, sometimes you're trapped in an apprenticeship or you never get free of it or those kinds of things. I mean, all of that stuff wasn't necessarily a good side of it. But you did that because the skill you were learning was complex, even making horseshoes. It's a mix of manual labor and chemistry. And so you've got all that in play. Then we go to the world where we've got factory upon factory. And the whole goal was to basically give people limited amounts of training and they were somewhat replaceable. I'm not trying to judge it. That's what it was. I grew up on the South side of Chicago in a little town called Dalton, which was pretty much right next to Gary, Indiana, which is where all the steel mills were on the South side of Chicago. Hmm. I mean, perfectly fine career path for anybody. Those guys made a good living and good homes and good families, but they were replaceable as actually played out. So train the guy and and there you go. Well, now we've turned the other way again. Now we have all these people, the knowledge workers, the people who are kind of most of them, the ones that are campaigning to work from home. You can't put them in just two weeks of training and they learn everything they need to know. They're even in market environments that are constantly shifting. So any amount of training is going to be out of date. And what's ironic about this focus on apprenticeship, where you're constantly engaging and mentoring versus kind of focusing on an onboarding process that's like train and you're done. It's weird for me because I wanted to be a college professor. I may go back and be one someday. I love teaching. So it's really odd for me to not stand up a formalized training program around here. But instead, what I do is just a ton of daily, weekly, sometimes even hourly, like apprenticeship, get off a sales call, debrief, go through a blog post with a marketing team and really sit down and kind of show them exactly what they need to do to change things. And I think at the end of the day, people these days actually really value it. But I'll tell you one hiccup with it that's huge. This is the really big thing to take away from if you're going to switch to more of like apprenticeship versus training. You have to train your people to be willing to admit they don't know something. And regular training doesn't force them to do that. Because regular training, you can be a fairly silent participant and just pick up what they tell you. But the challenge with apprenticeship is it kind of only works if the person you're apprenticizing admits they don't know things and gives you the opportunity to educate them. So one of the things we say around here a lot is we have a culture that is very founded on, I can say to anybody in the organization at any level, I have no idea what to do next, or I have no idea what to do with this. I think it's a little bit of a double challenge, to be honest, because I do think we have some cultural issues. We have a generation of people who were raised to kind of sort of believe they do know a lot about most things. And so it becomes doubly challenging for them to turn around to their boss and say, I don't know something. Mm -hmm. And as a boss, you also can't immediately attack them because they don't know something. You have to be willing to be like, okay, that's reasonable. You don't understand that. Let me help coach you on that. And once you get that broken down and people are willing to engage at that kind of daily level, one-on-one -on -one apprenticeship, amazing things result. So anyway, sum up, it's odd for a guy who wanted to be a college professor to not be super on board with like standardized training, but... I do just a ton of apprenticeship and I think it fits the times. I think it fits the jobs we have. And I think to some degree, it even fits the people we have. I'm happy to welcome Bew White III. 
He's a chairman of the board of Gabriella White and its brands, Summer Classics, Gabby and Wendy Jane. In 2013, he was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Society of International Business Fellows. And in 2021, Bew White received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Casual Furnishings Association. Your dad was a big inspiration for you. What kind of role did he play as you were coming up? You announced in the beginning that I had a textile engineering degree, which, by the way, Auburn doesn't even have a textile school anymore because it all went for. But anyway, I was planning on going in textile business and hopefully work for my great grandfather's company that was a Fortune 500 company that he started back in 1904. Dad was on the board of that company. And I got in there and I was doing great. I tripled my salary within the first four years because I was selling on commission. And I got promoted to assistant vice president, which was a big deal for me at the time. And then I was calling on small entrepreneurs that were jobbers. You know what a jobber is? Yeah, it's really sure. In that business, somebody that buy low, sell high. They would buy fabric on them and lots of volume of fabric and then resell it for, they may resell it for 10 cents more, whatever it was, they'd flip it. Or they may cut it. They may have their own cutting operation and cut it and sew it and give a great price to whoever. I got interested because this one of these jobbers had like a three-person operation, and I was out to lunch with him one day, and he said, you mind telling me how much you pay yourself? He gave me a number, and it was higher than what the president of Avondale Mills was making. I was like, man. And four of my cousins came in after me, so I was like, this is going to be a bloodbath when we get to be 50, and everybody wants to be president. I got to fight with my cousins, and I'm like, entrepreneurship sounds like a better deal to me. So I bought part of a small furniture company that made furniture in Birmingham. And they were transferring me to Greensboro, North Carolina. And I was like, I didn't, I, Greensboro was great. I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And dad supported me. He's like, instead of, no, you need to stay where you are. And he's on the board. He's like, hey, I have a lot of clients that have built their own business. And it's incredible. If you can find the tipping point, which it took a long time to find at some places. But if you can find that, then the numbers are incredible. So I bought part of this small company, and it was a disaster. It was my first in my, what I call my MBA of mistakes. I just, from that point forward, I just made mistake after mistake. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Learning the hard way. And so that's the dad story. I am pleased as punch to welcome Jessica Yarborough to our podcast today. She has quickly developed a reputation of being one of the best business strategists for coaches and consultants who want to sell and scale ultra high-end services. Makes her one of my favorite people. Her background is in international business, and she's built multiple companies. She is an absolute genius at showing entrepreneurs how to build an expert platform, rapidly raise their value, build their credibility online, and attract high-paying clients. That's like the quadruple threat right there. Tell me about some of the success stories you've had. I read a couple of the things you had on your website, but tell our audience about some of the great things you've done for people. Well, I've helped anyone from a lot of my clients come to me and they're stagnant at quarter million to half a million. Mm. And it's typically because they've got grit and determination even to get your first quarter million and above. It's not an easy task. I always say that's almost more challenging than once you get money and you scale up, but they're really stuck at the center of their business. They can't do more to make more. They need fundamental changes in their strategy. They're typically vastly undercharging. You know, most of my clients are in their forties to 
fifties or even sixties, they've got a ton of experience, but they haven't really capitalized on that. And so one of my success stories is Michelle. She's a business coach for the interior design industry, and she was stagnant at a quarter million bouncing between a quarter million and 300,000 for three years. And we took her to seven figures during the pandemic. Not only did we do that, but she repeated that now this is her third seven figure year. So she's one. I've also taken people who had full-time jobs and, you know, I had a client Chuck and he had a full-time C-suite position was ready. was done in healthcare. He was like, I'm over it. And his goal was to leave his job in four months of joining. He'd sold two six-figure contracts, replaced his salary and gave his notice. So we have many success stories, whether they're six-figure success stories in terms of packages or six figures just in terms of revenue or even seven-figure success stories as well. Do you find that one of the things that holds them back is self-esteem? I wouldn't say that it's self-esteem because I'm not really working with people who lack so much confidence and they're in such fear that they can't move forward. I don't work with those people, bless them. I've worked with them in the past. I don't take them on as clients. I will say that there's some trepidation around owning their worth. There's a bit of imposter syndrome because I work with a lot of former CEOs, CFOs. One of my clients is the former CFO for Microsoft. So I work with these folks who have built insane careers, right? but when it comes to their coaching and consulting business, they're still undercharging, right? They still haven't fully figured out like, what are they worth? What is that genius worth? And I come in, I hold up that mirror and say, do you realize what you've accomplished in your life? And let's take this instead of you being put in a general category of executive coaches or leadership coaches or strategists, and let's really capitalize on your credibility, your expert, your decades of experience, your credentials, and let's position you as a true expert, a best in class, and so that you can attract better clients and make a lot more money. Today, I've got Richard Newman on the line with us. He's the founder and CEO of Body Talk, global leaders in evidence-based communication training. Since 2000, Richard and his team have trained 100,000 people worldwide with clients from 46 countries. And in this new communications world we live in, especially since the COVID pandemic, there's more ways to communicate than ever before. But finding true connection and engagement still eludes a whole lot of us without the ability to effectively engage an audience and inspire action. New ideas struggle to be implemented, adding frustration and failure to the workplace as if we needed any more of that, right? How does analogy fit in? I use a lot of analogies and I don't know if that's right or wrong. Yeah, I think analogies can be really powerful. We talk about this actually within storytelling where if someone's really struggling with a concept, then there's two paths you could go down. You could keep on explaining it, bashing them over the head of it, which which is a bit like when somebody goes overseas, doesn't speak the language, and just tries speaking slower and louder, hoping that someone is going to get there. Instead, you can use an analogy, which is a great tool to use, Tony. And we talk about this, making your concept tangible. So essentially, you've got a concept you want to share with people. They already understand a whole bunch of things, and you need to build a bridge between your new concept and what they already understand. And the analogy is that bridge. It's a way of saying, 
okay, maybe you don't understand this, but you might understand that. So I'll give you an example of a really good use of analogies in storytelling. There was a story, and this is quite timely actually, because we've got the movie coming out recently on Netflix called Don't Look Up, which lots of people are talking about, this meteor coming towards Earth. So a few years back, there was a situation where a meteor nearly hit Earth, but didn't. And so there was an interview on BBC Radio 4 where a scientist came on and the interviewer said, look, I don't really see why we're even talking about this. I mean, surely meteors miss the Earth all the time. What's the point? So he used an analogy and he said, "Okay, have you ever seen a tennis court? And the interviewer said, sure. And he said, I want you to imagine that you're standing on a tennis court and you're playing a game of tennis. Now you represent the Earth. The tennis court represents our solar system. And then imagine a meteor the size of a tennis ball went past your head less than a palm's width away at a thousand miles per hour. That's how close the human race was to annihilation before breakfast this morning. Mm. And suddenly this little segment that was going to be like a 30 second clip on the news turned into an hour long phone in of people panicking about what is really happening with these meteors. So analogies can be super powerful. My special guest is Michelle Moore. She's helping leaders of professional service organizations and their teams do better work in half the time. How's that for a promote ahead? We will be talking focus and distraction. And who doesn't get distracted in the noisy environment we live in today? Michelle has some great suggestions and answers for how we can do more work and better work in less time by being less distracted and more focused. If I've just got a quick hit message with maybe no more than two or three interactions, I'll text it. If I've got a longer message I'm trying to get across or communicate, I'll use an email. But if I need a conversation, I'm going to call you or I'm going to come see you or talk to you. Am I alone in that? Most people, how do they use that? You know, what I see primarily in tech companies and in this knowledge worker world that I mostly serve is there has been, especially in the pandemic, a decline in voice conversations. And I think you are a minority, at least in the circles that I work in, of picking up the phone and having a real conversation. And that's beautiful that you do that. Please don't stop. (laughs) Um, So I'm having to coach leaders and their teams on what is your balance between real-time communication that is not in a chat where you can hear a voice or see a face like you and I are doing now on Zoom or even a walk and talk on the telephone. What is your balance between that real human communication, which obviously has declined in the in-person format, but hopefully now is coming back into play. That is a big question in work design that I encourage people to consider. How much can you move from chatting in Slack or in any other chat messaging apps or in text and just pick up the darn phone and have a nice live voice conversation. It's one of the biggest recommendations is it sounds super easy, but people have already gotten used to, especially the younger generation, right? Gotten used to, oh, it's just, I'll send a Slack message or I'll send a text or even an email because then it's out of my realm of responsibility and I just can forget about it. And I have to wait for that person to respond, which I think is a little bit 
lazy or not responsible enough, depending on the subject matter at hand. There are certainly things that are completely useful for a quick chat message reply, right? But a real conversation that requires a strategy that requires discussion about innovation or real collaboration, if you can have a nice balance between real-time human or face-to-face, the quality of output will greatly increase. Stand by. I've got five big quotes to help inspire the rest of your week coming up next here on Better Than Before. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo. Or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Master Coach Tony Richards. And this week, I've got three big ideas. And as usual, you can journal these out or you can use them in your strategic thinking time. You can use them as coaching questions for your employees. There's just all kinds of ways you can use these great big ideas. But here comes number one. One of the most powerful catalysts to your ability to deliver high-level performance is the view you have of yourself and how healthy that view is. So your self-esteem, I mean, it governs so much of our attitude and our behavior, the way we love ourselves, the way we care about ourselves, the way we think about ourselves. It helps us bounce back from tough times. It helps us get through tough times. It helps us manage personal, psychological, and emotional pain when we're in growth spurts or when things are not going as well as we'd like them to. It also can, if it's not healthy, if our self-esteem is not healthy, it can cause us to self-sabotage ourselves and short-circuit our plans, almost like I know life is going to short-circuit me, so I'm going to do it to myself before life has a chance to or before someone else does. So the view we have of ourselves, so important. Big idea number two, find new ways to be a leader, provide confidence to others, and be creative with your capabilities. This is connected with big idea number one, find new ways to be a leader. If something isn't working with someone, you've got to spend a significant amount of time going over it in your mind and figure out, okay, this person has a lock on their potential. And every human being, this is an analogy, right? I'm using a word picture, but everyone's potential is locked up inside them. And there is a particular lock or a particular safe 
that needs to be open or lock that needs to be open to unleash their potential. And just doing the same thing with every one of your people doesn't work because they're not all the same. There are individual needs and wants and motivations and belief systems and experience levels. And all of that is involved in each human being you have as your reports. You've got to find the key that unlocks that lock. You've got to find the combination that opens that safe. And that's what I mean by finding new ways to be a leader and having their best interests at heart and providing confidence to them and being creative with your capabilities is for every person, you've got to diagnose that situation and prescribe the key that's going to unlock their potential. Big idea number three, there is always a moment of space between stimulus and response or trigger and response. And in that space, you've got to train yourself to listen to inner response cues rather than responding to outer ones and choose the right response that will serve you best. It's simply making better decisions. That's what discipline is. It's making better decisions for the future you. Is the future Tony going to be better off or worse off because I make this decision to drink this, consume this, eat this? That's what I'm going through right now with this healthier journey I'm on is that I constantly got to make that decision. You might say, oh, heck, man, that's too much work. I just want to eat the cheeseburger. Right. That's what most people do, which is why most people have this issue. And that's what I've done for a lot of years, which is why. I need to do better. So you got to think that way. Which one of these responses is going to serve the future Tony the best or the future you the best? Because you're at the center of the galaxy of you. And yes, your world does revolve around you because you are the one making decisions in it. And you are the one that are going to have to live with whatever decisions you make in it. That's our Better Than Before show today. It's brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards4. We're extremely proud to be a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. Special thanks, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall. And until I visit with you again next week here on Better Than Before, I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.